everybody live, live, live. Yeah. This is Under the Mad Radio with your host, Tech, with co-host. NSC Game Boy, what it is, what it do, everyone. Yes, everybody, we are here live. This is Under the Mad Radio, episode entitled, Four Horsemen, Seagulls, and Cauliflower Is. Because momentarily, we will have two-time Hall of Famer, not only in the WWE Hall of Fame, also in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, former manager of the greatest faction in pro wrestling history, the Four Horsemen, and also author of, of Wrestlers Are Like Seagulls, from McMahon to McMahon, we will have momentarily the great J.J. Dillon. Also coming up at the top of the hour, we will have up-and-coming wrestling sensation Deanna Peruzzo, who just wrestled, um, wrestled against Brooke uh, Tassmacher on TNA's pay-per-view for the knockouts. And then also, coming up, we will be giving you more information on a great rage for wrestling events that will be airing on national TV, will be taped on national TV this Saturday in Pittsburgh. But with that being said, I'm your host, Tech. You can follow the show on Twitter at Tech underscore UTMR. You can follow NSC Game Boy at NSC Game Boy spelled correctly. Spell it correctly, people. Please Sorry. do. And with that being said, real quick, I believe we have the man of the hour coming on in. This uh JJ Dillon. Yes. Yes, welcome. Hey. Welcome, sir. To Under the Mat Radio. Welcome. Yes. Thank you. And uh I am just uh a happy Veterans Day to all the people who uh, have served and are serving and who made the ultimate sacrifice, uh very important day in our uh, our lives, and uh, just wanted to make a point of uh, of saying that about Veterans Day. Yes, oh, yes, we do, yeah. and we also do want to say that too on behalf of Under the Match Radio and Pro Wrestling Powerhouse dot com and Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Network. We want to say Happy Vet- Veterans Day to all of the great veterans around the world. We definitely want to say that. Mm. So, and how are you guys Dylan. doing this evening? I'm doing, we, we doing you know, I'm great. Yeah, great. Much yeah. better now. Business is taking off, man. Much better now. Yes, it is. Well, how you feeling, JJ? I'm good. And who am I, to, who am I talking to? Right. Well, you, this, well, you're talking to Evan. I'm the one that, uh, the host of the show and tech. And you're talking also to NFC Game Boy. Which is me, All sir. Right. Very good, guys. Thank <laughs> you. So, I, I um, want to say out front that the last two days uh, I've been I've been very fortunate. The last two years, uh, not only did I did not have the flu, but didn't even have a cold. And then, of course, fate would have it. Two days ago, I came down with really a bad cold, and yesterday was by far the worst day. And then uh, today it seemed a little better, and I've taken some medication, so I'm hoping to be able to hang in with you, and uh, we'll, we'll give it a go and. Hopefully my voice uh, my voice holds up, but if I don't sound the same as uh, uh, you anticipate, that would be the reason I've been uh, fighting this cold. Well, that's fine. We got you here, and we definitely appreciate your uh, sacrifice and you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on the show. Well, I, I always have time to talk wrestling and any opportunity to reach out to the fans and to be able to communicate with them, uh, I always enjoy doing that. And when I make a commitment, um, I hate to have something like a cold, uh, you know, n- knock me down. So here I am, and uh, I'm ready to roll. Yes, 
Yes. Now, before we talk about your book, and, and that's momentarily uh, the big topic we're going to cover today, uh, J.J., is your book, your great book that you have out and talk about the Cauliflower Alley Club and you being a part of uh, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. We do have a couple of callers that want to talk to you. Is it okay if we, um, if you answer a couple of calls real quick? Absolutely. Okay. We're going to bring in right now Area Code T40. Welcome to Under the Mats Radio with J.J. Dillon. My question for J.J. is, when he did the manager battle royal, was there any manager that he felt should have been a wrestler based on his skill level when he was doing those battle royals? Wow, I'm I'm kind of drawing a blank as to the manager's battle royal as to who all was in it, but uh, there have been a number of managers going back in the history who were, um, you know, all, also you know enjoyed some success in the ring. Guys like Lou Albano and Gary Hart. Um, uh, you know, Mr. Fuji, uh, there have been a number of guys who had, uh, you know, careers in the ring and, and guys like Jim Cornette, uh, you know, put on the tights a few times and made a valiant effort, but he's not best known as, uh, as a wrestler. And, uh, there are some others, Bobby Heenan, who Bobby the brain Heenan to me is always has been and always will be. Uh, the greatest manager ever. He's the one that really set the bar by which all the rest of us are measured. And Nick Bockwinkle, uh, in talking at length about Bobby Heenan at one time, said if you were picking a Hall of Famer, certainly Bobby Heenan uh, you know, would, would, would qualify as a wrestling manager, but he said he also would be someone who is worthy of Hall of Fame recognition as a wrestler. He was that good. So Bobby Bobby is a prime example of a guy who, um, had, you know, had a great in-ring career, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Cheeky, for that call. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, J.J., we got one more call, and then we're going to get on um, talking about your book, okay? Sure. All right. Are you called nine seven three? Welcome to Under the Mats Radio with JJ Dillon. Are you called nine seven three? Call, are you there? And no, they're not. They dropped. Uh, are you called whoever just called? If you can, um, within a few minutes, if you want to call to talk to JJ Dillon, um, just give us a call right back. With that being said, JJ Dillon, we thank you much for being on. Is it okay if we call you JJ, JJ Dillon? Yeah, JJ is JJ is fine. Uh, okay. Let's not let's not get uh, uh, bogged down with the Mister. Uh, <laughs> I know it's showing respect, and that's fine. But uh, for tonight, I, I'm I'm JJ. JJ, okay. okay. You know, we, we got gotta show respect. We, we definitely did, especially talking to a legend. Uh, first, about your book. The title of your book, which, which we thought was very, uh, very funny, and um, grabs the eye of the people. How did you come up with the title of it? Well, I was first approached. Um, uh, let's see, the book was actually published in 2005, and it was at least a year, probably more than that, prior to that, that someone who I'd known since I broke into the business, Bill Bowman, and. His wife has since passed on, Ann Bowman. We had main, remained friends since, uh, you know, my my beginning full-time in Charlotte. And they 
wanted to introduce me to Scott Teal, who was a historian who I'd never met, didn't know anything about him, and uh, owned his own publishing company, Crowbar Press. And he, I was had a conversation with him and got to know each other, and he had uh, just published, not too long before that, Ole Anderson's life story, which... Uh, and I've known Ole since again. I broke into the business someone who I uh, have great respect for, and ha- had to be an it had to be an interesting story because he's an interesting guy. But my first reaction really was one of um, you know not being all that excited about you know wanting to get involved in, in a book project. My feeling with anything and everything that I've ever done has got to be something that. Uh, I'm totally committed to or and do it right or I don't want to do it at all. And, and when that conversation took place, I had just gone through a uh, divorce from my third marriage. I had moved from Georgia, and my I had three children late in life, and they were like uh, seven- and nine-year-old twins, and it was very tough for me leaving them and uh, ended up coming to Delaware, where I still reside, to take care of my aging mother, which was a responsibility I think that uh you know any anyone feels as their parents you know get up in years and and I was really focusing on trying to make the transition from being out of the wrestling business to doing something else and but I I did agree to talk periodically to Scott keep an open mind and as we talked a few other times um the one thing that really really stuck in my mind is that uh, my three children were born after I had walked out of the ring and was working. I, I was from 1989 to 96 in the front offices with Vince McMahon. And here oh. they knew really very little about what I had done for the majority of, of, of my life. So that was really my motivating factor because it's hard to make money writing a book uh, about wrestling and uh, I was satisfied that Scott Teal was certainly a respected historian, and just uh, on what he did with Ole's book, I knew that he was uh, an excellent author. And uh, so I, I decided that uh, it was a good idea to tell my life story, to create a record that as time went by and as I got older that and my kids got older, it would be a permanent record of my life story because it does – encompass from when I first discovered wrestling as a teenager in Trenton, New Jersey, uh, 16 years old on a black and white TV. I'm giving my age away, but fell in love with wrestling and, you know, different people had different dreams. And that was my dream to be a wrestler. And uh, it wasn't an easy route because there were no wrestling schools or there was no, uh, you know, no way to get into the business of, you know, if you lived in a big area where, you know, you, you knew somebody that trained at a gym that was a wrestler, you might be able to make a connection that way, or some of the guys that were uh, second generation. But uh, in that era, you were independent contractors, and the old-timers weren't, you know, really all that anxious to help a young guy uh, have an easy road to break into the business, no matter how talented you were, because they looked at you as potentially someone that could uh, could take their place. So I uh, 
I wanted to tell my whole story from the time as a referee, which uh, at one point I thought that was going to be as far as it would take me. I was a referee for about eight years on a part-time basis, and I didn't really have any formal training other than I did wrestle in college, and I had played judo, and I uh, was the third man in the ring for many of Bruno Sammartino's championship matches in that era when he was uh, defending his title against people like Gorilla Monsoon and Killer Kowalski and George the Animal Steel and and the Sheik and um, Professor Tanaka and it's amazing how being in the ring so close to the action in in a huge sold out arena and with the energy that uh, is created in those championship matches I learned more just being that close to see what they did and how the fans reacted. And then once I got my chance to get my foot in the door, then I had to fine tune the, the, you know, the, the, the mechanical aspects of it, make some mistakes. But again, I had people uh, willing to help me and uh, it was the Sheik coming East to challenge Bruno Sammartino and just casual conversation in the dressing room. And that, that had been my dream. And, he said, hey, man, I rode around Detroit. Come on out, put the tights on, and we'll see what you can do. And that's that's how it started on a part-time basis. And a couple of years later, uh, I had a chance to go to Charlotte when Jim Crockett Sr. was still alive. And at that point, I was 28 years old, the months from my 29th birthday. And that's when I started my career as a full-time professional wrestler and never looked back. Wow. 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 Yes, I'm, I'm gonna turn it over to my co-host, NFC Game Boy. Um, first of all, JJ, you know, with you being through so much, and with your book, I, I know it's, it's a, a true definition of pretty much the same caliber of, you know, winning those prestigious belts. And and can you give us a, a idea about the Hall of Fame, though, real quick? Um, being well, being, when I when I when I started, really. You know, the Hall of Fame, there was no wrestling Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame was baseball Cooperstown. And my first uh, goal in life was just to be able to hopefully get a pair of tights on and, and get in the ring and become a wrestler. And then I, and I had three criteria in my mind that not only did I make it and was in the ring in wrestling, but the stars of the of that era were the guys who uh, went to, to the tournaments in Japan, who wrestled in Australia, where Jim Barnett had been incredibly successful. And then the other big one really was uh, because I, I had gone to Madison Square Garden to see all these great stars, uh, you know, Bobo Brazil and Haystacks Calhoun and Chief Bigheart. And wow. so I thought, wow, someday wouldn't it be amazing if I could myself appear in Madison Square Garden. So that was kind of the the one the one goal that I I really really wanted to make and and my, and my life story is really starts from as a fan. Uh it's when I finally got a chance to get into business and I I'm a product of the territory era where I wrestled in most of the I didn't wrestle in all of them but most of the territories uh around the country. Uh, I did get to go to Australia where I lived for a year. I made seven tours 
uh, in Japan because the Funks had a deal with Giant Baba and All Japan Wrestling, so that opened that door for me. And really, the I'm best remembered as the leader of the Four Horsemen, which was certainly the pinnacle of my career. But people who haven't read uh, wrestlers who are like Seagulls or, or you know aren't historians and know much about my career don't realize that over a 20-year span between wrestling and wrestling-slash-managing, I had over 3,200 professional wrestling matches. So, wow. uh, yeah, wow. I'd really done it really done it all. And <laughs> and I, I really got interested in the creative side right from the very beginning because starting so late, I realized that there was, a, you know, a limit about, you know, you talked earlier about guys who were managers who were great wrestlers. Precious Paul Ellering would be another one, and, and late mm-hmm. in my career, I don't know how many times uh, I was a special attraction on those cars wrestling Precious Paul Ellering, who managed the, the Road Warriors. But I knew that I couldn't do that forever. And when the opportunity presented myself and I was offered a job uh, to walk off camera and to use all of the knowledge and, and skills that uh, I had assembled and uh, and, and strictly be an employee for what was then the WWF as a, uh, an employee, uh, it really wasn't a, a difficult uh, decision. I was there for eight years, and uh, I learned a lot. It was Vince McMahon, uh, if you read my book, we'll, I devote a whole chapter at great length about the time that I was with Vince McMahon, and um, he can be very tough to work with. He's got a very strong personality, which, you know, the fans are seeing now when he's really, really pushing to try and make this network thing work. And uh, I left there and went to uh, George, back to Georgia with World Championship Wrestling, figuring that that's where I retire and had no idea that five years later that uh, Eric Bischoff would run that into the ground because he knew nothing about the wrestling business. And all of a sudden, uh, wow. I, I'm out and having to uh, look at something else. So the book really covers that whole thing. And the book was written after I was out of the wrestling business. So I really wasn't looking for a job. I wasn't, uh, I had no axe to grind with anybody. And it kind of explained the whole history of wrestling not from the very, very beginning, because wrestling was on TV before I started, obviously, but uh, how the wrestling business uh, operated. Uh, and I had a unique perspective of being on uh, the inside, you know, the whole way for all these uh, great promoters that I worked with. And then um, it, it's it's a good, it's a history of, of wrestling and it's uh, also an explanation of how the business operated to, and became profitable. So it's, if you were going to teach a course in, in professional wrestling, it would be your textbook wrestling one one And even, even if you're not a fan, uh, I think mm-hmm. it's a, a wonderful feel good story about a kid that had a dream and where else, but here in America could a kid well, have a dream. JJ, I don't want to cut you off. We got somebody, a, a big fan, who who's been waiting. Um, I just just got the word. Um, our, our correspondent, um, Shinblade, are you there? Yes, I am. Shin- how you doing, gentlemen? Good. Hey, how, you how are you? Man? Hey, I'm fine. Hey. Uh, <laughs> correspondent from Under the Mat Radio checking in. Um, I actually have two questions for you, Mr. Jeff, if I can lay it down on you. Sure, absolutely. Go ahead. 
Okay, now I did a bit of research in the coming weeks before this interview now. So you were inducted into the Cauliflower Alley Club. I think that's a Hall of Fame, I'm not sure. The Well it's uh, not really a Hall of Fame, it's a it's a fraternity of of wrestling people and they're coming up with their fiftieth anniversary, fiftieth reunion. It was started by Iron Mike Mazurki as an informal thing and involves some boxing people and the fiftieth reunion is coming up uh, in April in Vegas and uh, I first went 10 years ago and, and became a lifetime member, and uh, the following year in 2007, I was honored for my body of work as a wrestler and as uh, as a manager. But my Hall of Fame credentials are really the, the WWE Hall of Fame, where I was inducted as part of the Four Horsemen in Miami in 2012, which was the the grouping with Barry Windham, and then the following year, the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, which in conjunction has a museum up in Amsterdam, New York, and I'm on the board there. Uh, I was uh, inducted there, so I'm blessed to have two Hall of Fame rings, and, and the one from Amsterdam, New York, certainly doesn't have the the notoriety that the WWE Hall of Fame ring does, but it's also got a process that if you go to the website, and if you go to jjdillon.com, there's two links on there, one for Cauliflower Alley and one for Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and you can go right there to their site and see how the selection process works. And what it boils down to is uh, your peers in the business uh, eventually are the ones that uh, get you on a ballot and then vote. And there's no greater honor in life, I don't care what you do, than to be uh, selected by your peers for what you accomplished. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask you, and I think I think part of my question has been answered, but uh, you're, in the, you're in the Cauliflower Alley Club, you're in the uh, National Wrestling Hall of Fame, and you're also in the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, which, which uh, that was the third incarnation of the Four Horsemen with Ben Wendell, which is one of many people's favorite incarnations. I wanted to ask you, and I think you already answered this, but what was your greatest, which one was your greatest moment? Which one of those Hall of Fame? Oh, wow. Well, certainly um, the WWE Hall of Fame, because, again, if you read my autobiography, and it's already, the, the first uh, edition sold out. It was a hardcover book, and it was never sold in bookstores, so you had to do a, little, do a little work to get it. And I started out by signing copies as my way of saying thank you for the people that went to the trouble to find it, and then ended up, uh, I continued to do so until the book sold out, and Scott Teal has recently uh, reprinted it in a softcover uh, edition. But it's uh, a great book that I'm, like I say, very proud of. And if you go to my website, you know, look, go to the to the comments of uh, or the review section of people that have gotten the book from all from people in the business, from fans, and I think that's the greatest testament as to what what the book is all about. But it's hard to top going to Miami, and I had left the WWF in 1996, and had not been to a WWE event until I went to Miami in 2012. And wow. yeah, and it was, and now I'm on, on the, it's funny when you have a perspective working in the office and you're responsible for helping putting all that together. And now I'm on the other side where I'm just there with all four of my children were there uh, to share the moment with me and to bask in 
you know that that recognition and really we i we were treated first class everything was first class from accommodations to uh and you you walk out on a friday night into that american airlines arena and there's you know 14 15,000 people however much were there but it was sold out and down front are you know members of the grand family there's uh uh you know Randy Orton and there's uh, uh John Cena, and then I look around and I see legends. I see Gene Oakland. I see Roddy Piper. I see the Million Dollar Man, uh, and then behind them, members of our family. And to get a standing ovation when you when you come out there and you got, you know, fifteen thousand people holding up the four fingers, the symbol of excellence. Uh, I I refer to that as a, as a goosebump moment because it really it it truly was. It just it's very hard to put into words and then uh once you get past that the next day for the wrestlemania event itself um was at the stadium with uh i don't know i heard 75 79,000 people however many people were there was a lot of people and in the middle of the show they rolled out the red carpet and brought us back out and we were introduced uh, to the crowd and again here's now a standing ovation with uh you know 70 some thousand people you know, holding up the four fingers, and and it wasn't just us because uh, Edge was out there. Um, Ron Simmons, magnificent athlete, uh, was out there. Mil Mascaris and uh, Mike Tyson from the celebrity division. So there were a lot of great people that that uh, were out there for that moment. But again, that it's hard to describe what that means. And you go to Amsterdam, New York. The ceremony is. Uh, you know, maybe three, four hundred people in a much, much smaller, intimate setting. But mm-hmm. it's the fact that the people in the industry decided that you were worthy of recognition. And there's a, I have a, it's, there's a brick and mortar hall. It's the only museum dedicated solely to professional wrestling. And I, I encourage every wrestling fan at some point. You know, just like every baseball fan needs to go to Cooperstown at some point and see the Hall of Fame, and less than an hour away is the Museum for Professional Wrestling, and it's got some incredible memorabilia, and there are plaques on the wall from the very first year, and I have a plaque that's up there that will remain there forever, and each year as a new class is inducted, those those plaques go up, and, um, you know, to go there and see that is, uh, again, what I call... uh, a goosebump moment, and uh, and this year uh, I was at the Fan Fest in Charlotte, which Greg Price had said was going to be his last one, and I guess he's going to do a modified version. But uh, Tully and Arn and I were inducted into the Mid Atlantic Hall of Heroes as the Heart of the Horsemen, and again that had uh, tremendous meaning to me because that's where I started my career when Jim Crockett Sr. and then. A decade later, plus came back, and that's where I reached my pinnacle with uh, the leader of the Horsemen, with with Barry Windham. But as I look at the groups, you know, the first group with Ole will always be special because I think that if that grouping hadn't come together, because it was a spontaneous thing, the fans really really created it, then maybe nothing else after that would have followed. And when Luger came along, um, you know, he he. We were established, which we were right from the get-go, but Luger was inexperienced, and we were able to camouflage that. And then uh, we shocked a lot of people when 
we got rid of Luger and Barry jumped fences and came with us. And I think one of you already said that that was your favorite grouping and, and my favorite grouping too, because I think Barry was uh, so gifted. Uh, I I knew right. Barry. I watched him grow up. A lot of people don't know it, but Barry had his first professional match with me in Odessa, Texas. So wow. I, I watched wow. Barry grow up. Yeah, and he's uh, <laughs> just a phenomenal athlete and uh, it was, you know, certainly worthy of that recognition. And um, well, well, I just I'm well, one of the, I'm uh, the luckiest guy in the face of the earth. Well, well with with that with that JJ, um, speaking of since, since you're talking about the four horsemen. Uh, about your book, I want to ask you, and we want to know, <laughs> out of anybody, in the, of any member of the Four Horsemen, it could be when you were with them, it could be Tully, Arn, Ole, and Flair, it could, you could add Wyndham, you could add whoever. Out of all the members of the Horsemen, if you had to choose one of them to write a book about you, who would you choose and why? Oh, wow. I uh, I I would love to see... Which Flair has written a book, uh, Arn has written a book, Ole has written a book, and Luger has written a book about their own career. And we're waiting for Tully. I think Tully really his his career uh, as uh, coming from a wrestling family with his father Joe Blanchard, who I wrestled and and worked for as a promoter, and uh, of course Barry Windham, the son of Blackjack Mulligan. Those are two stories that need to be told. And I feel that my story has been told uh, now as time changes and now it's out on Amazon.com on Kindle, too. There's a lot of people that don't want to buy a book and carry it around anymore. So it is available on Kindle. And if you've got one of those notebooks or something, you could, no matter where you go when you have time, read it. And it's surprising, you know, how many people uh, are doing that. But it would be very hard to, to – I. I'm very proud of my life story, and I plan. Actually, I, I poured everything into that story. I was asked if I would write another book, and originally I said the answer was no. And um, Scott and I have talked, and I did some research, uh, focusing mainly, as I said, on the 3,200 matches that I had, and I had journals. And when I went through and looked at the names of some of the people that I was in the ring with, it's like the who's who of our per- profession. And I think there's another, uh, certainly a story in there about the various people that I was in the ring, ring with. And then there are some who I never wrestled against, but I was tag team partners with, like Flair, like Harley Race. And uh, there were some who I only wrestled uh, one time, and like in a tag team match, and that was Wahoo McDaniels at a match in Wilmington, North Carolina, the only time I ever faced him in the ring. But when you add all those names up, and then that got me thinking about the, putting together a list of guys who I never wrestled, kind of my dream list of guys I wish I had had a chance uh, to have wrestled. And then I look at the major venues where I appeared, many of which um, uh, are no longer there, like the Sportatorium in Dallas, and the you know the Mid South Coliseum is shut down, and the Amarillo Sports Arena doesn't exist anymore. The, the Eddie Graham Sports Stadium, uh, and then you the know Army. just the whole Hall of Fame thing. Yeah, it's true. I know our correspondent Shin had uh, one more question for you. Go. All right, all right, Mr. Dillon. Um, 
plug the 2015 Flower Alley Club, which I researched and found out that one of the uh, one of the inductees, should I say, is none other than the Dream Dusty Rose. Now, you were talking about the Four Horsemen. I want to know what was your take on Dusty Rose in the business because I remember that infamous angle as a young kid where you tied Dusty Rose and broke his arm. <laughs> yeah. Well, here here's a here's the thing that was, about that was really the business. Heinous. And when when we were inducted into the WWE Hall WWE Hall of Fame, we were inducted by Dusty Rhodes. And there 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 wasn't a better person uh if if I had to pick someone was Dusty. And as great as the horsemen were, and when we started, there was no way in the world that we ever thought that it would become as big as it became or last as long as it did. But no matter how much success we had, part of that success was who was standing on the other side of the ring when that bell rang. And really the main uh, catalyst for, for all the guys for our greatest success was Dusty Rhodes. And he was surrounded by the Road Warriors and Magnum TA until his tragic accident. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Valiant and, and Ron Garvin and just so many great wrestlers. That And that was, I think, part of our success, too, was I was fortunate enough to, to be at the right place at the right time in an era where there really was so much great talent. And Dusty sometimes gets a bad rap. Um, which is very unfair because I've known Dusty since uh, one of my early matches when he was teamed with Dick Murdoch. They were the the, the Texas uh, Outlaws, and they finally split up and went on to great stardom as individuals. And I've known Dusty, uh, you know, approaching 50 years now, and I owe a lot of my success to the fact that I did work closely with him behind the scenes and a lot of opportunities uh, presented themselves because of my association with Dusty. So I think the world of him uh, as an athlete, and believe me, he is an athlete. He was a great football player, a great baseball player, and a great wrestler. And when it came to uh, interviews, uh, there aren't many that can hold a candle to him. He had a great creative mind. He was a big-picture guy, and I was always kind of a detail-oriented. So we complemented uh, each other well, and he had longevity in the business, and he's still involved with teaching the young guys down in Orlando for uh, the WWE training facility. And Dusty is, is a true icon, a true legend in the business, a great family man. And just his two sons are stars in the business, so what more can you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we well, will say uh, to you, JJ, that we got, um, you know, me and NFC Game Boy, we had the pleasure to meet Dustin, uh, Gold Dust, Dustin Rhodes, um, at a local event. And, and literally it was two days before he got signed with WWE again. Yeah. And, you know, Dustin yeah, was a good yeah. guy. We got to talk to him for a good 10, 15 minutes. You know, very nice guy. We talked and, you know, talking about the show, talking about, you know, some of the, you know, legends and boys that we talked to and knew and, that was his last indie show because right after that, that Monday, he uh, that's when he started wrestling the Orton on Raw, and then the rest of history is now you know one of the mainstays there. And we're happy for him. Yeah, and a lot of people thought it would it would be a short term run for him, and he came back and fooled a lot of people because he's a a very very talented guy, and yeah. I couldn't be happier for him because I watched him grow up. 
uh, all those years. So I'm happy for him. He deserves it uh, because he earned it. Well, uh, Mr. J.J. Dillon, it was an honor to talk to you as far as being the correspondent uh, of Under the Mat Radio. It's been a big pleasure, and I uh, hope to get a copy of your book. Uh, so I'll pick it up whenever I can uh, find a copy. So thank you very much. Yeah, if I go to Cauliflower Alley or I go to Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame or uh, I'm, I'm appearing this weekend uh, in Orlando at a, uh independent wrestling event, uh, uh, and I and I always try to bring a few copy of the, copies of the book with me, and which saves the whoever wants one some postage, and and I'm always happy to sign the copy for them if they so want it. And uh, uh, it just uh, it's uh, it's a great book, like I said, and I'm looking forward to a couple years down the road and putting the effort into doing a sequel, which I think will be a, a great book as well but before we wrap it up i always in every interview make it a point to say that uh never did i ever dream that i would be fortunate enough to be wearing two hall of fame rings and it's not because i was the biggest or the best or the most talented guy in the world uh, i credit the fans uh who supported me supported the four horsemen supported professional wrestling not only here but everywhere throughout the world wrestling fans are the greatest fans in the world and i always pass along a big thank you and i love to do these appearances because i get to meet them one-on-one where years ago we were insulated we never got a chance to meet the fans so look forward to that and uh uh, go to jjdillon.com there's a lot there's something for everybody on there there's a lot of pictures from early in my career and a lot of uh pictures as over the years as I went to different functions with uh, some of the more modern stars. So it's a, it's a great website. Um, JJ, see, before we let you go, is it okay if we um, keep you on for a couple more minutes to ask some more questions, or is that fine? Sure, absolutely. Okay. But before that, I'm going to let NFC Game Boy, I know he wanted to ask you another question, wanted to uh, take care of something with you while we're on live. Well, um, real quick, I, I wanted to get a plug from you. Um, before I ask my next question, um, I know you're going to be short for time. So, is there any way uh, us from under the mat can get a plug from you, um, JJ? You know, just to uh, make sure that you know we symbolize the name, you know, and how important you are to the business. And to well, I, I would uh, I would be delighted to do that. So you can. Uh... I'll pause for a second, and you can spin this away and and keep it, and then be able to air it uh, anytime and whenever you want to. Okay. This is um, JJ Dillon, the leader of the original Four Horsemen, two-time Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Under the Mat Radio. Don't miss it. That was great. Thank you. Thank you. That, that Thank was you great. That was great. Um, now to my question, um, JJ, out of all the different um, publications out there. Is there any type of um, any publication from a wrestler that you have heard or may have read that have moved you just as much as your publication have moved other fans? Is any other publication wow. that a wrestler or manager or somebody in the business? You know that is really a tough, a tough question. I'm going to make a confession that uh, I have a college degree, but I have a problem that I've never had. Uh, diagnosed or analyzed but i i have a very short attention span and if somebody hands me a book i'm i don't care how good it's uh 
reported to be, I sit down in good faith to try and read it, and I read a page. I start at the top, and all of a sudden, I'm at the bottom of the page, and my mind is going to me and other places, and I don't remember what I just read. So I can read uh, a magazine article, and you know it'll hold my attention span because it's short. But there's a lot of great wrestling books out there, you know Terry Funk and Harley Race, and I'm told that the Jack Briscoe book is great, and uh, certainly Luthez's uh, book that they all that they all talk about. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, I at some point can you know, be able to focus to take God. And I have a library of most of these books that these guys, uh, uh, many of them personalized to me and be able to sit down and, and, uh, and get through them and read them, enjoy them. I'm the playboy Gary Hart. I'm told is an excellent book. And, um, I feel very Al who was a co-author in my book and helped with mine, uh, and he brought a lot of questions. He knew more about my career than I knew myself. And he he wrote Lou Albano's book, and he wrote uh, um, Playboy Gary Hart's book. And I'm told that uh, both of them are excellent. So there's a lot of good books out there. And uh, but I can't, in all honesty, say that I've read one completely. And uh, I'm I'm sure that the time will come when I do. And um, I'm just thrilled to death. I did an interview the other day, and I was flattered that the person who was on the other line said they'd read my book. Uh, and I've had people tell me that they've read it two and three times, and I think, wow, for them to go back and read it all again, there must have been something of significance in there. And then the interview the other day, the guy said, I regard your book as one of the three greatest ever written on wrestling. So, I mean, that's one man's opinion, but it is it is a great uh, a great book on on. Mm-hmm. Any level, and if you go to jjdillon.com, you can find it at the top. It'll take you to Crowbar Press, and Scott Teal has written a lot of other uh, books uh, besides Ole and then mine. He's done Jody Hamilton, Stan Hansen, and uh, uh, a bunch of others. He's really a very respected historian and a great author. See, we we here under the Matt Radio want to give a big shout-out to Scott Teal. Um, If you're listening now or listening, go and listen later to the archived um, version of this. Big ups to Scott. I know we've talked to Scott directly through email and very good guy. And I um, definitely want to give him big ups and thank him for providing us with you on the show today. Well I've enjoyed it. Uh you know, you guys ask some great questions and I get kinda of long winded when I answer and the time goes by yes. very quickly. But uh maybe sometime down the line we could uh hook back up again and there's I'm sure a lot more we could talk about. But I've enjoyed being uh, on Under the Mat Radio, and I wish you guys continued success. Yes. Thank you well, so JJ much. Dillon, yeah. Thank you much. We will have you on again soon. Take care Thank yourself. You. Thank you. Everybody, that was wow. the great J.J. Dillon, great. former manager of the Four Horsemen, two-time Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. and author of Wrestling, Wrestlers Are Like Seagulls. Great dude. NFC Game Boy, your thoughts? It, it was J.J. Dillon. Um, highly respected for his contributions, not in just wrestling, but managing one of the most legendary groups of all time in wrestling. And um, we got a chance to pick his brain about the Hall of Fame, um, pick his brain about his his books and everything. And um, I can't wait to have a chance to, you know, get more <laughs> questions from 
down the road. So, and fans, thank you for calling in and everything. Uh, real quick, um, Tech, I want to uh, take this time out. Uh, we we got a sponsor for this show. Who uh, okay. gotta make sure I plug so everybody um in the metropolitan area here in Baltimore. Uh, we got Bentley's Plumbing and Construction LLC. The owner Murray Shriek and the uh, co-owner Brian Weber. You can find them at area code four four three nine eight three three nine zero two. Once again, four four three nine eight three three nine zero two. They build everything and anything from small jobs to rebuilding homes to new construction. So if you got a problem, Bentley's Plumbing and Construction LLC four four three nine eight three three nine zero two. Tell them Game Boy sent you. They'll take care of you. So I uh, just want to fill that in. Real quick. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to remind fans, too, that coming up at the top of the hour, 8 p.m., we will have Deanna Peruzzo, great wrestler, female wrestler. She just recently went against, and if you ordered, we'll end up ordering it for TNA, one-night-only knockouts, pay-per-view. She just wrestled mm-hmm. against Brooke, uh, Brooke Tessmacher on TNA. She also has done some um, work here and there for the WWE. And she's also a student of Damian Adams, who was one of our great guests last week. She's uh, one of the students of his wrestling school. So she'll be joining us at the top of the hour at 8 p.m. J.J. Dillon, great guy. Loved J.J. growing up. Hated him growing up. Of course, in this area, you know, we hated the horsemen. <laughs> so I've, I've I've always said that, and you might know me and being a wrestling fan, I've always said that the Top two managers of all time, in my opinion. Number one was Bobby Heenan. Number two was J.J. Dillon. Number three, after him, will be Jim Cornette. So, and, and, of course, we say this a lot. It breaks our heart that we can't get a chance to talk to Bobby Heenan, of course, because he's dealing with, you know, if the fight, the battle with throat cancer, he's not able to speak anymore. But Bobby Heenan, like J.J. said, the greatest manager of all time. No offense to any other. There was many other great managers, the Wizard, the Albano, Jimmy Hart, but Bobby Heenan was the greatest. No one uh, will ever be greater than him. And J.J., in my opinion, will be the second. Just, and it's the thing, what what kind of guy J.J. Dillon, man J.J. Dillon was, he did everything in the business. You know, he refereed, he wrestled, and then he managed the four horsemen. And there there's a company that I believe have an interview with J.J. Dillon where he talks about how it was traveling with the horsemen, the limousine riding, jet flying, you know, going to the clubs, going to the bars, hanging out late at night, the party shows. That was a lot of work. And the fact that he was able to be the man behind it and to orchestrate it and be able to be around them um, and keep them, you know, not that he did anything bad, but keep them focused, that says a lot. It definitely does. Mm-hmm. And if you game boy, uh, you think you might have been up to the task? I mean, you got to remember, you're talking about a man who had multiple titles in the business. And, you know, your current wrestler today on the roster couldn't even compete in doing all that and still be able to keep himself relevant inside the ring, let alone outside the ring. You know, a lot of these guys back then, they had a lot of titles. You know, they did managing, and yes, you know, they did a little wrestling, but you know, they were referees, you know, they were in the front office. You know, these guys made a, a big transition. Look how long it took Triple H just to get transitioned into his part, excuse me, in the company and everything. 
So it just goes to show you back in the day, you know, these guys were prepared and, and, and more eager to jump to these spots, but at the same time, still being able to, to, to deliver in the ring. Uh, just a, a pleasure, you know, having a chance to, to pick his brain with that, and especially with the Hall of Fame information, um, Tech. Yes, it definitely is. Well, since we have time, anybody, if you want to call in, we have a 12 minutes free. If you want to call in 760-888-5749, 760-888-5749. If you want to call in, talk about J.J. Dillon, your memories of J.J. Dillon, the horseman. If you want to talk about Monday Night Raw from last night, if you want to talk about anything wrestling-related, Lucha Underground, or what have you, do you feel free to call in. Oh, anything, gay boy? You know you got to talk about Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got time. You know, we can mention Saturday now. We're going to do it later. But this Saturday, hmm? our great sponsor, Rage Pro Wrestling. Rage. Rage. You know him. Great guy. You know, I know NFC Game Boy. I know you was out in Vegas doing some business with Red, taking care of some things for the future for Under the Match Radio for Rage Pro Wrestling. Red will be at Rage. Rage Pro Wrestling will be at Pittsburgh, PA, this Saturday. The lead bell time is at 7 p.m. It will be a, this event will be taped live for national TV that will air on MAV TV, M-A-V TV. MAV TV is a nationally syndicated network all around the world. You can watch this channel. It is on DirecTV, Dish Network, and other cable subscribers and satellite subscribers. Great show. Being there, and I see Game Boy, I'm going to let you go ahead and let everybody know uh, some of the matches and who's going to appear. Well, of course, you know the champion, Robert Illuminati. He has gotten through. Uh, we saw Annie Weinberg trying his best to take the belt away from him, and he had a, a special plan to bring back an old ECW favorite, which is probably one of my favorite matches. Um, you're just going to have to tune in this Saturday to see because I don't want to spoil it. If you already know, don't say nothing. Let these people come and check it out themselves. Of course, Rod City is going to be there. The Brutes are going to be there. And a couple special guests because we are not only Pittsburgh, but we also want to be nationally taped. So you you won't believe some of the stuff that's going to get ready to go on. I was told I went to uh, Vegas, just got back yesterday actually with Big Red, watching the man, the genius work, and some of the names and stuff. I told him I'm a man of my word. I wouldn't be able to spoil it for under the mat. I wouldn't yeah. be able to spoil it for the fans. But it's unbelievable. And the chance that if you miss this, Lord have mercy, what are you doing? I'm telling you, if you know the boy, you know what I am, you know how we roll, trust and believe. This already in Pittsburgh, you need to be there. You can be there anywhere else. This one you definitely want to can't miss. So Tech, that's all I can say about it. Like I literally cannot say any more about it. We like, we, you know? we can't. Yeah, we we can't say. We we know a little bit of what's going up, and we'll be a lot of surprises. But you just have to be there to see it live, live, live. Please do. Any questions about tickets? Any questions about the show? Address or what have you? Hit us up. Hit up under the mat. Facebook page, email us at underthemat at gmail.com. Or even tweet us at sack underscore UTMR. Of course, tweet NFC Game Boy at 
NFC Game Boy spelled correctly. Yes, please spell it correctly, folks. So please. we'll be there live, live, live. Shimbley, a great corresponding videographer, will be there live, live, live. Even Ghetto Tony, a good old assistant of Under the Mat Radio, will be there live, live, live. Will you be? We'll know if we see you. And, of course, if you're not, of course, you'll be able to watch it on TV. We'll be national. And also... Big plans for Under the Match Radio coming out by the end of the year and by the end of the year and also for the new year and it does involve T V. It does involve Ustream, but we cannot mention it publicly, if you will, just yet. But when we do, it's gonna be great. And we and we All definitely right. wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the great fans of this show. Not only under the match radio before Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Network when it gives the big cheese the big man in charge of the network, Jay Leto. Big thanks. Big ups to him. Big ups hey, to Toph, too. Big ups to Toph. Not sure where Toph is at today. You know, he normally calls in. Give him a big ups to you to Toph. I know he's probably listening or listening later on. So, and it's a game, boy. Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Which I know, you know, I, I I caught a little glimpse of it. I know you did. Yeah, I actually I watched it DVR. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Like, I actually like Monday Night Raw. I actually like Monday Night Raw. A lot of people are making reference to the New Day <laughs> vignettes <laughs> with Xavier Woods, and I believe now Kofi Kingston is a part of it. Uh, I want to give you a thoughts real quick, NFC Game Boy. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's, it's kind of confusing to me only because it's kind of like this church, like uh, congregation, like group, like they're trying to build this this fraction of of guys, uh, black wrestlers, and, and like some some type of congregation or whatever. It it looks it looks. It looks crazy. Um, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like, do they? I don't know the 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 point they they're trying to reach with that. But you just have to wait to see. It, it was it was very confusing. I do agree. Uh, I grew up in the church. Still go to church on a regular. Uh, I understand some of it, but still a part of, of it, even on my end, is a little confusing. I'm not sure if Xavier Woods is a James Brown-esque character. We're not really <laughs> sure. We'll have to see. Definitely we'll have to see on that. Your thoughts real quick. How is Survivor Series shaping up in your eyes? Well, I like the fact that it's going back to the traditional Survivor Series match, you know, the team thing. Um, of course, Everybody knows that the authority um, will lose their power if John Cena's group wins. Um, John Cena's group consists of, of course, him, uh, Dolph Ziggler, The Big Show, and Sheamus. They're missing their fifth guy, where the authority is, uh, um, uh, what's his name, Seth, Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. Kane, Corporate Kane, uh, Rusev, the church and, uh, <laughs> and Mark Henry. And they're also uh, supposed to have Ryback, who pretty much turned on John Cena and turned on the authority last night. So the big question mark is, who's he going to join with? And uh, at the end of the show, uh, Luke Harper 
came in and he became the fifth member of the authority after dealing with Dolph Ziggler, which I was actually kind of shocked, but at the same time, I was surprised that, you know, they was actually, you know, keeping the tradition alive. You know, day that he likes to experiment with their major pay-per-views. This is the last of the big four. Um, so it was it was kind of cool, um, believe it or not. Raw, um, Raw was actually a little And shout out to Rusev and Sheamus for stealing the show. What a great match. If you missed it, if you DVR'd it, go back and watch it. Um, I didn't I didn't get the chance to see it last week when Rusev won the belt, but this match right here, really, really, uh, really good. Um, nice slow pace, told the story well. Great athleticism from both guys. Easily the match of the night. It's just a great match. I haven't seen a really great singles match on in Raw in a few weeks. So, and um, lastly, shout out to the boy Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose. The uh, the frantic. Uh, it, great session between them two. Um, their their promos by itself is easily enough more than actually seeing them guys wrestle. Um, I can't wait to some, uh, Survivor Series to see them two guys really go at it. But shout out to their promos, man. Just very well done. Um, uh, that's pretty much the gist of it. Uh, how about you, Tag? I'm running in my mouth. Got to bring you back in. No, no, it's fine, man. You know it's <laughs> They're just listening to you. Um, I didn't really get to catch Raw uh, as much. I caught a little snippet of Raw. We'll have to rewatch it. But uh, it was out with family. But from what I did see of Raw, it was pretty good. I totally missed the reset match, but everybody on social media, that's all they've been talking about is Sheamus and Rusev. I'm really glad Sheamus got something to do. Stutters are looking pale coming to the ring. It's looking like a... Big Irishman that has nothing else better to do than beat his chest. So it was good that <laughs> you had them two in a program. And I'm looking forward to Survivor Series. If you want to go real old school Survivor Series, anybody remember the old school ones, every match was, and I don't know if WWE has enough people, every match was a five mm-hmm. on five. And which a lot of younger fans, little four kid fans, got to understand is now everything is so flashy. Everybody has a finishing move, and you watch a match, so you're all, you know, you're, you're trained psychologically to know, oh, the match is going to end with, with a kick or elbow. You know, he didn't do his finishing move. You know, Cena didn't do the, the what is it, the the little flip attitude adjustment. We call it the child protector. Uh-huh. Cena didn't do his finishing move. The Rock didn't do the right bottom, so the match isn't over. Back in the 80s, the matches could end with any move. Matches ended with hit butts, elbows, eye pokes, knee drops, and these guys had finishing moves. So it's the good part about back in the day was you didn't know who was going to get eliminated or by what move. Someone could randomly come in and elbow you on your head, one, two, three, you're eliminated. <laughs> so it was pretty it was pretty fun then. But I'm glad the Survivor Series is back. I'm glad it's a traditional match, of course, all the matches won't be like this, but I'm glad the main event match is traditional. Looking forward to uh, Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose. Definitely something different. Um, now, I, I believe uh, NFC Game Boy real quick, Bella. Bree Bella is going against, um, who is that? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't know. 
don't with, with that being said, speaking of female wrestlers, uh, and hopefully she doesn't get mad because we brought mission Brie Bella. We're now bringing to you <laughs> the honor Parizo. Did, did we get your last name right? Um, Parazzo, but that's okay. Parazzo. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? We're doing hey, good. Hey, how you doing? Welcome, son, to the Matt Radio. Thank we, we you. Got that. Thank you. Get get to have you on again. We got to have you on a little snippet last week, and you know your yeah. your great trainer and the boss of the wrestling school. Big up the <laughs> big up to Damian Adams. Um, yeah. Was on last week, so now we got you. Now it's your turn. You know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Oh no problem. So, no problem. Real quick, you know how we do things here. We do stuff random and. And very fun, sometimes controversial. We're talking about female wrestling. Uh, do you follow female wrestling? The current state of female wrestling for WWE. Um, of course, you know we'll get to TNA a little bit later. But what's your thoughts of uh, the air quote divas of the WWE? Um, I mean, I follow a little bit. Um, I just try to keep up with the product. I uh, don't watch Raw maybe as much as people think. You know, being a a woman's wrestler, I should, but I do try to keep up. Um, with what's going on. Um, I think, you know, the product has gotten better, and um, it's great to see, you know, that the the women are being given time on TV and things like that. Um, so it, it's good to see, you know, we're be, being given a chance again. Hmm. Now, we'll get to TNA. You yeah. just got finished, and we finally got to see you go against Brooke Tessmacher on TNA. Um, let us know the story of how did that all start, and let us know about how it was and your experience in TNA. Um, I mean, it was great. It was it was so random, um, and I just didn't expect it. You know, I, I think I told you guys last week, it was like Christy Hemi called me Thursday afternoon, and I was down there Friday afternoon. So um, it was something I didn't expect to have the chance to do. Um, but I am totally grateful um, that I was able to be a part of it. Um, Teresa Brooke, you know, I've met her a few times before that, and um, she, she's great to work with, I think. You know, now everyone's gotten to see kind of the pay-per-view, and um, I've gotten a lot of mixed reviews I've read, you know, where people say, you know, they didn't like it, and some people, you know, have let me know that they thought it was great. But I'm just um, happy with what my first major um, – thing in wrestling was and it like um someone had tweeted at me you know that for my first match in wrestling but it was my eighth match in front of a crowd ever so to be able to do something like that is um i was honored to be a part of it Hmm. Hmm. talk about the were you nervous talk about the preparation you you know you you get a call from christy hemi who's you know one of one of the good wrestlers in the business and you sitting mm-hmm. down doing whatever, sipping on coffee, what have you doing? Chrissy Kimmy calls you, and next <laughs> thing you know, you're at TNA. So tell us your mindset. What's going through your mind? How you feeling? You know that you know this is right before you're about to go on live national TV, uh, uh, pay-per-view taping actually for yeah. TNA. Um, it was. I mean, like I said, it was so it was so crazy how it all came about. Um. And I remember after I got off the phone with her, we worked out all the details of getting down there. Um, I went to work, <laughs> and I work in a daycare. So um, I went to work with 23 screaming five-year-olds, and my mind was just not 
able to like process all that was going on um, because this was my opportunity. And I was lucky that I had met Pat Kenny um, here at the school with Jamie, and he brought him in. Um, Pat Kenny is Simon Diamond. In um, he is uh, creative at TNA, so I had met him a few times before. So when I got down there. Um, there were definitely some familiar faces that made it a little bit more comfortable for me, and Damien came with me. Um, so I wasn't alone there, but just to, you know, be around all these people that made me want to be a wrestler that I grew up watching, it was just an amazing experience. And um, just to be able to, like, be mentored by some of them and talk through what they wanted to see and coach through it all, it made it it made me feel a little comfortable um, being out of my element and something I've never done before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. NFC Game Boy? Well, you talked about your preparation and you, and you talked about, mm-hmm. you know, the familiar faces and stuff. Was uh, any butterflies really going in your in your stomach and um, with going out there, actually being on television? You know, you've, you've been in the ring a few times, several times. But, you know, being on actual mm-hmm. television, uh, a lot of people say that for their first time, you know, they almost stand in shits on themselves, you know, because <laughs> they want to make sure that, you know, they, they do everything, you know, to the T. So um, yeah. can, you, can, you, can you go um, through it real quick about, you know, coming out the curtain and actually, you know, being in the ring knowing you're on television? Yeah, I mean, I had um, butterflies. Of course, I had butterflies before I go out in front of 10 people, you know, so however many were there during the taping just amplified that, and um, I just kind of right before, I was watching all the matches go on, um, they have a big, you know, like a big gorilla area with the TV and stuff, so we could watch the matches beforehand, and um, so I was just sitting there watching, and, you know, of course I was nervous, um, I was like, in t- you know, in tears before they gave me the okay to walk out, um, and, you know, I, I have a ritual that I do before any show, you know, I just kind of go in a corner and I pray and I do my own thing and I just mentally prepare. Um, so that's really what I did. But as, as soon as I hit the ring, I walked down the ramp, I got in the ring with Earl Hebner. He was the ref. And, um, when I got in the ring, it like hit me more and luckily you can't see it, but I was like shaking, crying. Like when I got in the ring, waiting for Brooke to make her entrance. So it was just very, um, overwhelming, but in a good way. Mhm. Wow. Okay. Now, um, my next see? question is this, real quick. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go, bro. My next question in, um, is: Was there anything in the ring that you wasn't prepared throughout your match? Is there anything that kind of caught you off guard? Um, anything that you know, maybe some uh, fans heckling, maybe a, a punch or, or slap, something that you know she did that, that caught you off guard. You know, is there anything that that kind of distracted you throughout your match? Um, nothing that I can remember. Um, everything, you know, was pretty went, went pretty smoothly. I think. Um, just I kind of went in a zone with it. So luckily, you know, with with Damien as my trainer, um, he's kind of worked for the past two years with me on preparing me for everything. So if there was a movement that she made or something we weren't expecting, I think I kind of just was able to, you know, be in that zone and be able to handle it. So. Um, watching back, you know, I've watched it a few times now. Um, there wasn't anything that stood out to me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's cool. Um, Tech, I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead, man. Now, you said you were crying. 
Were these tears, <laughs> yeah. were you able to see these tears in HD? You know, some people, they, they say they cry. You can't, you know, they just, their eyes just water up and they start having the sniffles. Or was it like big old bucket tears where you could just see it just falling down on your face? No, it was more, I kind of controlled it, I think, very well. Um, but it was just more tears in my eyes. I got the sniffles. You know, I just kept, I had to keep reminding myself, like, all right, you can do this. Just breathe. Just breathe. But, um it was, you can't see it on TV. I looked for it. You can't see it. Good. Invisible tears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, talk, talk about the wrestling school, because I'm sure Damien is uh, listening. Uh, big up to Damien Adams. Uh, also, one like Damien Adams know that backyard wrestling does say that they are still alive, darn it. It's <laughs> 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 still going to be. <laughs> you know, D- Damien is saying. <laughs> he didn't know backyard wrestling exists, which is cool. I know. I cool. listened uh, last week when you guys had him, and um, it's funny because when you guys were talking about that, when when you got off the phone, I said to him, when I was younger, you know, I told my mom when I was nine I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And, of course, she laughed, but every Christmas I would try to convince my parents to buy me a wrestling ring because I wanted to wrestle in my backyard. So, <laughs> um, I know what you guys are talking about. I believe, uh, believe we have a caller. I'm not sure. Let me see. Is this a uh, Shemblake? Sure. Hello? Are you called T4? Hello. Yeah, yeah my Michael question Sunday is, have you ever dated a... Can you repeat that My again? question is, have you ever dated a male wrestler? Have I ever dated a male wrestler? Right. Um, Damien Adams is actually my boyfriend. <laughs> so oh. currently I am dating a wrestler, yes. Wow, okay. No more kayfabe. <laughs> kayfabe is dead. <laughs> so, this is the 80s when nobody knew at all. <laughs> um, this, uh, did you have any more questions, uh, Cheeky? Yes. Uh, when your boyfriend's mad, you does he work more stiff with you in the ring? Um... No, I wouldn't say so. Um, he's If you've ever seen Damien wrestle, he's pretty intense with everyone. I think more so training me. Um, maybe he's a little tougher on me just to save face with all of our, our trainees and to make it seem like, you know, just because we're dating, he doesn't take it easy on me. But as far as working with him in the ring, um, I, I can't say that he's more stiff with me than anyone else, no. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Cheeky, you have uh, any more while we got time? Uh, are the females trained any differently than the male wrestlers at the school? Um, no. I At the time when I had first started, I was the only woman training. So they just threw me to the wolves with all the guys. So as far as learning bumps or um, taking certain bumps and learning how to punch, anything like that, um, I've been fortunate enough to be trained just like a guy. Um and I'm real thankful for that. Okay. No special privilege. Yeah. Yeah, Cheeky, thanks so much, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Deanna, if, that, if, that's, if yeah. that's okay, if we call you that first name, do you want us to call you yeah, another name? Okay. You know, and if he gave, well, you know, we always try to make sure and we want to be called different things now, so. I don't know. That's yeah. okay. Deanna's fine. How do you get, and I'm going to take a page from my co-host, hopefully the NFC game will you on mind. Normally he asks this question. How do you get 
what kind of reaction do you get, Deanna, saying that you're a pro wrestler? Now, you have a nice, sweet voice. You hear your voice <laughs> on the phone. The last thing anybody would think is that you're a professional wrestler. So when you tell somebody that you're a pro wrestler, you know, they look at you and they hear your voice and see your body type. What reaction mm-hmm. do you get? Um, a lot of people are shocked. And then you have the people that see me and see, I mean, not that I'm the most muscular female there is, but they see, you know, my body type and they're like, all right, I knew you were an athlete. Um, a lot of people are shocked, though. I did, I was a, a participant in the Miss uh, New Jersey USA pageant um, this past October. And that was the one thing that I had on my fact sheet for them. So when I first got to introduce myself, the judges were shocked. Um, they were like, there's no way you don't look like you could do that. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's all I've ever wanted to do. So a lot of people are just taken aback and they have like a lot of questions. Does it hurt? You know, is it real? Um, what is my lifestyle like, my diet, my workout, things like that. So those are more of the questions that I get once they get over the initial shock. You, how does it feel for you? And, and you made history. TNA um, definitely mm-hmm. had knockouts, knockdown. If I'm correct, mm-hmm. this was an all-female wrestling pay-per-view. Yes. This, I believe, hasn't been done. I don't. I think this may. And it, this is probably the first time that this has ever been done. If 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 not one of the rare times it's been done. How mm-hmm. does how do you, how does it make you feel that you were able to be one of the women to be on one of the rarest forms? Of events, because I, I believe I don't think WWE has even done at all right, women's pay per view. Matter of fact, they don't even have enough wrestlers, so they can't even do that. They only got what two, three, two, three wrestlers. Um, I know TNA had did it last year, which was the first time that they did um, an all women's pay per view. So last year was the first one, and then um, they brought it back this year. And just to be a part of something like that, I think. The women that they brought in, they had Mia Yim, um, who's trained in Japan, and all the, uh, you know, all the other women that were on it, I think, showcase what real women's wrestling is about, and that it's not, you know, all about your boobs or your ass and um, who you know and things like that. I think this pay-per-view showcases hard work and dedication, and that women's wrestling does still exist. And... You know, being in this business um, so little time is it's really humbling to me because I, I have gotten to work with some of the best um, and, you know, was able to stand up to what they had to offer. You know what I mean? Like, I showed right. that I had the potential to be able to do that, too. And sure. it's just, it was um, an amazing experience all around with the women that I got to work with and working with TNA as a whole. Um, with Brooke, so I've gotten a lot of opportunities to come from it, Um, so I just think that if there's women's wrestlers or aspiring women's wrestlers um, listening, that this is something that they really need to be, you know, this is something they need to watch, and this is what they want to emulate. You don't want to emulate the women that walk around in bras and thongs, and that's what they wrestle in, because that's not women's wrestling, to me, at least. What did you learn from Brooke Tessmacher or any other, if you can share any stories of being backstage with all of the women wrestlers, not divas, not saying that you're not, but women wrestlers, female wrestling, uh, women that wrestle as opposed to just models that wrestle, y'all. 
women at Russell that look like models that, you know, actually look, mm-hmm. look you know, look attractive. Uh, it's totally different. <laughs> Total difference. What did you learn yeah, from I, everybody? I think, I think that I learned, most importantly, to be comfortable um, in who I am and what I'm there to do. Of course, you know, as, you know, this was my first big thing. So when I got there, I kind of was walking on eggshells and, you know, doing the wrestler thing, have wrestling etiquette, um, just going up and shaking everyone's hand, introducing myself. Um, But as time went on that I was there, you know, because I was there two days. You know, book just made me feel really comfortable, you know, and said, you know, who cares? You're here for this, and this is an amazing opportunity. Embrace it um, and be who I am. Um, you know, and luckily I knew a few faces down there, so I m- knew Pat Kenny, um, again, who's been TNA Creative, and, um, you know, Rob, I know, and Brooke, and there was a few other familiar faces. So um, as more people that I got to know came in, um, I became more comfortable and more of myself, you know, willing to talk and not just be wrestling 24-7. I was Deanna, the person, not the wrestler. So she really helped me with that. And Rob is incredible. Um, he's just an incredible person, um, incredible wrestling mind. And I'm lucky enough that I see him, you know, once a month. Um, he's just helped me tremendously in every aspect of wrestling, whether it's advice on gear or advice on doing a promo or in-ring work. So he's really um, been an incredible mentor to have, too. Mm. And I see Game Boy. Well, you know, is there anybody that you, a woman's wrestler, that you really want to get your hands on? Somebody that you, not necessarily you want to get in the ring, but somebody that you just want to test out your ability to kind of push yourself. Is there a woman wrestler? And it doesn't have to be currently on television on the roster, but maybe somebody mm-hmm. who's independent or some someone who's who named uh, or you have watched some of their matches and you like you know I really want to to get in the ring with her and and and, and have, me and her have a match. Um, so I grew up watching um, Trish Stratus and Lita. So those are, or even um, Victoria Tara. Um, those are probably three of the women that inspired me to want to become a wrestler. And if there was ever the opportunity to get in the ring with any of those three and just not necessarily test out my abilities, but just be able to be in the ring with them and say that I did that, um, to be in the ring with the people that, you know, inspired me to do this, that would be incredible. Um, as far as now people wrestling now, um, I get compared a lot to AJ Lee. We're from the same the same area in Jersey, just about, and um, we both have long black hair and things like that. So people often say that I look like her. So I think it would be um, a cool matchup to see both Jersey girls in the ring together. Okay, that could be a nice angle too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jersey girls, you know. Yeah, yeah, t- talk about the Jersey girls. Yeah, you're from Jersey. Um, what are some of the stereotypes that you get being from Jersey, being a Jersey girl? <laughs> um, I think, and this is partly true for me at least. I am 100% Italian, so I think um, a lot of stereotypes are that my family's involved with the mob, or that we all have this thick accent, and 
um, I'm trying to think other things. You know, the Sunday dinner thing, which, of course, those stereotypes for me are true um, because that is my heritage. But I think we get a negative stereotype um, as far as Jersey Shore came along, um, you know, being the party girls or the slutty girls and uh, the club scene and things like that. Um, That's a lot of stereotypes that I've fought. And I can say I've never been to a club. (laughs) So... um, you know, I think a lot of those things come about when you say I'm from Jersey. Um, people think Snooky and JWoww and a lot of um, just negative connotations come with that. So it's nice to see a good representation once in a while of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can if you can give us information about the Air Quote Sunday dinners, um, what makes them so special? You been, Sunday you dinner? Full-blooded? If you being a full-blooded Italian and you said mm-hmm. it's a stereotype of being in a mob, you had the Sunday dinners, what makes the Sunday uh-huh. dinner special? Oh, just family, I would say. Um, I have a huge family. Um, I have, like, 17 cousins. Um, and just to have everyone together and just be – it's loud and it's obnoxious, but that that sense of, like, a community and that everyone's there for each other and – I just, it's family that makes it so special because you can set aside whatever you've done that week and um, whatever problems you have just to be with your family and to sit down and enjoy a meal and um, just talk like you have no worries and it's no judgment zone because it's family and things like that. So definitely I'm a big family person. So that takes, that's what makes it so special for me. That takes the cake. Well, thank you for uh, letting us get even closer to, to your family. <laughs> That's okay. Thank you. Uh, NFC Game Boy, uh, you, you mind sh- and sharing any uh, Sunday dinner memories since we're on the topic? Uh, you know, let, 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 yeah, let the fans and, and know about you. <laughs> I really didn't have too many Sunday dinner memories. Um, I'm the only child, and uh, okay. my mother raised me by herself. So uh, Sunny dinner consisted of when she ever she got time to fix, and by the time she was time fixing it, she was tired because she had to go to work the next day. So my Sunny yeah. dinners consisted of me eating at the table by myself, watching TV, uh-huh. you know. But um, I'm thirty something oh, years no. old. You know what I'm saying it just I don't know. It's it's, it's cool, you know. I, it's, hey, I'm you're welcome friend. to come to any family dinner with me. We'll treat you like family. Yeah. Patriot fan, um, which is weird because I'm from Jersey, but 
Oh, God. Love Here the Patriots. You go. Oh, oh, <laughs> um, but as far as TV shows, I can't say really that I watch that much TV. Um, I spend a lot of my time at Damien's house, and I think he told you guys last week he doesn't have cable, so we don't he, watch he a lot of TV. He doesn't have TV. He has TV. Yeah, he, I mean, he has the physical TV, but we we don't have cable there. So um, Sunday, <laughs> so Sunday nights consist of like we we go to Redbox and we get a movie and we get some um, like snack food and we just hang out in bed and watch a new movie. Um, when I'm home at my parents' house, I watch a lot of like H the cooking. What is it? HD TV um, and Food Network. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. But I don't really have like a show series that I like, um, just because I don't watch that much TV. But I've heard a lot of good things about The Walking Dead. Um, my brother watches Breaking Bad, and he always talks about that. Yeah, so. it's another great show. Another yeah. Great show. So, speaking of movies, mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what, yeah. what, what type, what title, movie title, would you call your wrestling style? If you had to give it a movie title, what title my wrestling style? Yes, your wrestling yep. style. Everyone has their um, own style of wrestling. So, what would be yep. your, your 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 movie title? Someone <laughs> that's to a your, hard one. Um, I don't know. It would have to do something about. I I at least like to think that I try to be a very technical wrestler. Um, so I don't know exactly what the movie title would be called. But something, you know, the technical whatever of Deanna Perrazzo wrestler. I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, I like to think as far as my wrestling style, though, I, I try to be technical. It's hard now more so on the indies because not a lot of girls are trained the right way or trained in that style. Um, I watch a lot of, like, World of Sport, Johnny Saint, William Regal, um, and... So I try to emulate a lot of things that they do, and that's different because it's a whole different – that's European style, and um, a lot of people don't study that. But I would say something about being technical. I don't know the exact name of it now, but I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> My host, Tech, that's his nickname. Yeah. He's, the, he's the technical host, and I'm the casual host. So yeah. um, maybe Tech can help you out, Tech. Do you have any ideas of, uh, since she has a technical style in the ring, of a movie title that we might can give her? Hmm. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different names. You know, I'm a big movie buff like NSC Game Boy. Of course, you have the mechanic, either the original, uh, that, could, that could be used. I'm not sure if you uh, watched that movie, Deanna, but the, the neural no, one, I believe his name, Jason Statham, this one with no hair. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's the answer, right? Is it Jason yeah, yeah, he's in it. It's the mechanic is a good movie. I, I thought of that right off the bat. The original had uh, Charles Bronson. It was in 1972, and then uh, the remake was uh, in 2011. That was with Jason Statham. Yeah, that's him, and uh, Ben Foster. So, but yeah, I, mean, I like the mechanic. That, that works. Yeah, yeah, the mechanic works. I like that. But of course. You being a student, everything has to be approved and funded yeah, and allowed ask, by Damien. Thank you, man. But um, real quick before before we let you go, what's next yeah. for you for you for your career? What's next? What are your um, goals? 
like I said, after the pay-per-view, I've had a lot of um, opportunities come about. And I'm just trying to, you know, finish some details on things I can't really get into now. I've had the opportunity to work um, as a rosebud with WWE quite a few times. So, um, you know, there's always a possibility of go back to being an extra or, you know, it's just kind of a waiting game with them. But I have a few things in the works right now. Um, so hopefully, you know, I'll have some, you know, finalized things coming up. But you can always, um, you know, look on my Twitter for more shows. We have a lot going on, Damien and I, in the next couple months um, throughout, you know, the tri-state area. So, I don't know, um, just a lot more wrestling, a lot more training, and whatever comes up, I'm I'm willing and up for anything. So, hopefully, um, I'll have some finalized details soon. Now, before we let you go, you mentioned WWE, and I believe I did mm-hmm. uh, get one of that from our correspondent and other listeners that you were a part of uh, Adam Rose's party. Uh, let yeah. us know your experience being in the WWE for that time, being a part of, uh, what's the party name? Is it the Rosebuds? Uh, being a part um, of the Rosebuds, let us know about that. How how was that experience? Yeah, it was, it was um, an amazing experience. Again, I had so much fun. Um, Adam Rose is just, He's his character. He really is. He's so much fun. Um, he just likes to joke around. And, you know, even though it's a job, um, you know, he can meet so many different people through this and make so many, I don't want to say friends because you're only there for a short amount of time. But, you know, we, he's just, uh, I love him. He's so much fun. And he made being there a lot more fun, um, especially coming back. You know, I did a four-day loop with them, so I did two house shows, and then I did Raw and SmackDown. Um, I had been there once in June, and then to come back, you know, he remembered me, and it just made me not as nervous. Um, You know, being there, and it's so corporate, and, you know, I don't want to say everyone's on their toes, but you don't know know what to expect when you go there. You're thrown for a loop. So to, to be able to see the familiar face and to have him remember me, and again, when I was there in June, um, Rosita, Thea, she was there. And so she was a familiar face, and so was Mandy Leone. So I had a lot of fun with those girls um, all week. And it was just, um, it was cool to be there for the 15th anniversary for SmackDown and to be able to, you know, do the segment with Stephanie McMahon and Kane. Um, it was, you know, a dream come true. And now I'm just looking forward to being able to get back in the ring and show them more of what I can do. Um, you know, when I was there, I picked Regal's brain so much. He probably got annoyed with me. Um, the, the amount of questions I asked and the amount of times I was just like, can we talk? Um, Cause he's a big inspiration of mine too. So um, it's just, it, it's cool to become a fan and then to be able to be there and have a job. You know what I mean? Um, even if it's just an extra, to be able to have that full circle kind of feeling. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully I get to go back, and even if it's just for an extra or whatever it is, um, I'm just ready to prove myself to them now, too. Yeah. I got go, it. T- 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 no, I'm sorry. Go, I got it. Go ahead, Nancy. The mechanic guy. You know how they got the mechanical? The mechanic mm-hmm. guy. Oh, yeah, no, that's perfect. I like that. See? Number one, first one under the mat. Yeah, second NFC Game Boy helped out. 
The mechanic guy. There you go. So the mechanic guy. I like it. Yeah, mechanic guy. So, you know, you got your mechanic slash gal. You know what I mean? Ah. Yep. Like that. Perfect. Yeah, I, like that. I will yeah, definitely I'm, I'm have to ask David about you, that and let you know what he says. <laughs> yeah, hey. And you know what? I'm 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 giving you all the rights to it. Not yourself. I Thank want to see you. shirts. I won't be like, hey, I remember that. I, I helped you with that. I'm like, yeah, I remember. So you have Definitely. Yeah, I mean, see, that, I'm I'm good with this, man. I'm good with this. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. <laughs> that's, all, that's like I said, if you first hear the first here. As long as it's approved by a good old DA, then it's all fine. You uh, explain, <laughs> you know, people talk about WWE and we've, interviewed a lot of legends and people used to work for WWE and work for a lot of companies back um, during the territory days. How did you feel being backstage of WWE? Tell us about the atmosphere of, you know, being in the gorilla position, seeing uh, how everything was worked behind the scenes as opposed to fans who just see, you know, just see the ring when they come out. Uh, Like I said, it was really cool to be able to, you know, I grew up a fan and I grew up, my mom took me to WrestleMania um, down in Orlando for WrestleMania 24 and things like that. So it was cool to be backstage and see how things worked. Again, like I came full circle kind of. Um, But to be in Gorilla and to be around, you know, um, who's there? Billy Kidman and Jamie Noble, John Laurinaitis are all back there and just be in the presence of such powerful people and that make this machine run um, was just an amazing experience. Um, And then, you know, just to be able to get there at call time and just you're around all of these people that are running around trying to get their job done, um, it's hectic, but at the same time, like, I wouldn't have traded it for the world, you know. When I I got home Tuesday night after SmackDown, I got home late, and I slept probably, like, all day Wednesday. But I was sad, you know. I was like, oh, you know, I want, you know, I would never not want to be there all the time, you know. Um, If I could be there 24-7, I would. You know, I just feel like those people have the best job in the world. Um, But to be backstage, like I said, it was more humbling to me to be able to come full circle in such a short amount of time. You know, I've only been wrestling for... um, in a few weeks, it'll be two years. So to get the opportunities that I've had, it was just really um, a time for reflection and a time for, um, I, don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but just that it was like an amazing transformation for me to go from fan to trainee to, okay, I have a job to do. They're relying on me to get this done. Even just as an extra, you know, Um and for the tw- for the 15th anniversary of SmackDown, we played you know such an um, such a big role in that segment with Adam, where our face like our faces and our facials played such a role in Oh My God He's Facing Kane. Um, so to have that, and they stressed all of that in Gorilla with us, you know, just look upset, look disappointed, look fearful. Um, that was a big weight to have on extra shoulders, you know. So. It was cool the amount of um, the amount of weight that was put on us and what they wanted of us, and then to see how it all played out. Um, 
I was excited to see it, and I think it came out very well. Yeah. And, and you know, and we actually remember that that segment, the opening segment of uh, SmackDown 15th anniversary, when you know the Rosebuds, Adam Rose came out, had to face Kane, and if I'm correct, Lance, uh, our good old buddy Lance and Noah was in was a part of the Rosebuds too, if I'm correct. Yes, he was. Um, yeah, that was the first time I met Lance that weekend. But yeah, he was. Um, he got choke slammed, I think, too. Yep, he got choke slammed. Yeah, that's a good old buddy yeah. Lance. If you know, mm-hmm. know, Lance is a part of a current roster for Maryland Championship Wrestling. Also, cousins of The Rock, uh, son of. And uh, he's gonna kill me for this. And is he Game Boy? You remember his dad? Is it uh? Sam Who? Sam Who? Right? Yeah. yeah. I just I yeah. just worked for them. I saw him the, um, two weeks ago. I think I just worked for WXW, so I saw him again. Yeah, okay. Sam Who, very good. I got yeah. a I got a quick question. Yeah. All right. Um, we we know that you said Trish Stratus and and um Lita are mm-hmm. two of your all time favorites. So let's yeah. let's switch it around real quick. Male. Um, is there a male wrestler? that you looked up to as a kid you wanted to uh, emulate and put as part of your uh, repertoire? Um, you know, I would say charisma, as a kid, maybe growing maybe. up, um, yeah, as a kid, I'm a girl, so before I was in the wrestling business, I loved John Cena. Um, and now I see him more as what he does. As You know what I mean? He's a workhorse. He has an amazing work work ethic, but as far as moveset, now that I know wrestling and I get the psychology of it, um, and I know what it entails to be, like, uh, a good wrestler and have good technique, and not that Cena doesn't, um, but what I look for in my wrestling and what I would want to emulate, um, someone like Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair, like I said earlier, um, I watch a lot of World of Sports. And I try to in- integrate that into my training. So William Regal, um, I've been lucky enough to train with Rip Rogers, who is uh, the head trainer at OVW. And um, he trained Damien Adams. Um, so I-, I watch a lot of his old stuff with WCW. Um, just I find it really important to be able to be comfortable enough in this craft to call it in the ring and be comfortable being in any situation and those people are really people that can just go in the ring and wrestle. Um, it's not about crazy high spots or anything like that. It's pure wrestling. Um, so those are a few of the people, even Mike Mondo, I'm lucky enough to have, um, Rip was up here in June and we did a seminar with Mike Mondo and I got to wrestle with an, um, with him for an hour. So someone like him and his style really speaks to me too. It is great. Definitely is great. Well, we thank you much for your time. Anything, uh, Deanna, that you want to plug? Let us know your upcoming appearances, upcoming shows, anything upcoming for the um, school? Um, For our school, you can follow um, Damian Adams on um, Twitter, Damian Adams with three S's. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Deanna Perrazzo. Um, The same with my Facebook, same thing, Deanna Perrazzo. And as far as shows, we have a few coming up. I'll be at WXW with Lance um, December 6th, OTW in Williamstown, New Jersey. Um, 
coming up on the 22nd. So I have quite a few shows and all that information, all updates you can find on my Twitter at Deanna Perazzo. Question to you, let Damian Adams know that uh, he he needs to bring on back, come to Facebook. (laughs) We need him to come on to the dark side of Facebook. Yeah, he's he's weird. He doesn't like it. Um, You know, it's hard enough. He runs his own Facebook. He helps out with the D2W um, wrestling Twitter. So he hates social media. He's on me all the time about um, get off your phone, get off your phone. So I'll try to convince him, but no promises. We 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 will let we will let Damien know. Uh, We will give him a. We will let Damien know. We will text him. Right after the show, about uh, he needs to join the Facebook. Stop being scared. <laughs> and I, I want to see those shirts too. Uh, um, yes, I'm, I'm I'm counting on you to put, post that out there because yes, NFC Game Boy and Tech under the mat, we helped give you uh, another uh, stage thing to help to the, the the glorious career that you're having and will continue to have. So uh, we wanted to help our, our contribution, you know, to to the cause. So I want to yeah. see some shirts so I can grab some and be like, yeah, mechanic guy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, let Damien know. Tweet that. He don't have a Facebook. He can't post it. Tweet all of that. <laughs> help mm-hmm. us out, definitely. So, um, will we? Will what? Will, will, well, uh, I, I hopefully we might. I don't know, innocent game, but will we see Damien on Saturday in Pittsburgh? You never know. I don't know. We, we actually yeah. might see Damien Saturday in Pittsburgh for eight. But thank you much for your time, Deanna. Have a good time. Enjoy. Uh, I believe. Are you at the school right now? Hello. Anybody there? We do apologize. Oh, we lost. Call their drop. Yeah, yeah. Deanna's call their drop. Uh, if she calls back, fans, we will bring her back in. But we do thank her for our time. We do know Tuesdays. Is when the schools open one of the days, and when Damien called last week, he was training. So, if she doesn't call back, thank you much for your time. Thank you, Damien, for providing her on to the mm-hmm. show. And uh, cra- congratulations too. Yes, big congratulations to all. So, you know, doing work for WWE and wrestling a match for TNA. There's a lot of wrestlers wrestled for years upon years before they got that chance and. With her only being in the business for a short time and only having about eight matches, she's already already achieved those goals. And hopefully much mm-hmm. success to her. But we do, uh, and it's a game boy that smacked down 15th anniversary. Remember that segment very well. Damian Adams came, and Deanna Dash, and Lance. Well, you think of SmackDown over the, you know, we, we remember wrestling before SmackDown. When you hear the word SmackDown and wrestling, what's the first thought that comes to your mind? What's the first image? When I hear the word uh, SmackDown, to be perfectly honest with y'all folks, when I hear the word SmackDown, I don't think of the show. I think of The Rock because when I was a teenager, when I was going through high school, that was when Rocky Marvia made his transition with the Nation of Domination, DX, and becoming the phenomenal, uh, the great one that we all know and love today. So when he had his shirts lay up the smack of down, lay the smack down, you know, catchphrase, before the show even aired, 
that's what I thought of. And and anybody of my age group and, and higher or in my generation will probably agree with me. When you hear SmackDown, you think of that first, yep. and then you think of the show because he is the one that put – you know, you you be in school, or you be at work, or you be around your friends. You know, I'm gonna lay the smackdown on. You know, who talked like that? You know, that like, you know, black people. You know, in my family, we never talked like that. Like, I'm gonna lay the smackdown. It was I'm gonna beat your ass, <laughs> and that was usually <laughs> it. But when you heard somebody say the smackdown, it was like kind of like uh like a gladiator or something would say to you. You know, I'm gonna lay the smackdown with the shield and sword and. Like what? You know, <laughs> so right. to hear a guy, <laughs> to hear a guy come out there and, and say on the microphone, "Yeah, I'm gonna lay the smackdown on you." I'm like, wow! Like it is. It was funny and different, but um, that's what I think of. Um, how about you, Tech? Mm, you said, of course. I'm not gonna give the status quo answer of thinking of the rock because, of course, that's default. Everybody's gonna say that, you know, which is fine. Uh, I think about SmackDown. I just think about <laughs> the first episode when Shawn Michaels super kicked the rock in the face. Oh yeah, that, that, that yeah. The first, first first ever SmackDown episode, and actually the only time the Rock and Triple the Rock and Shawn Michaels actually had any physical altercations in the ring because they never wrestled against each other at all. They've been in the ring together, but never wrestled against each other. But I just remember that that match Triple H against the Rock. And if you remember, the first episode of SmackDown was a special. It wasn't even like, it was, this is before it was even a weekly program. Yeah, it was a pilot. It was it was their yeah. tester show to see if um, if it would uh, be a hitch. And it, it was a huge success. Um, I also remember that, and I remember the little segment, the 15th anniversary of the Rock talking to Triple H and him explaining to him, you know how your your, your punk boy, you know, kicked me when I was doing, about to put you away and everything. And a, a lot of critics always wondered, you know, why The Rock and Shawn Michaels never had a match together. You know what I mean? They always um, ask a lot of questions. <laughs> From what we've been told. And we're not mentioning names by people in 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 the business by the boys. That that speculation of why the Rock and the Rock has said he never really had the desire to work with Shawn Michaels. Reason why is rumors and strong speculation that back when the Rock started off as the as Flex Cavana when he was starting off in the early years in the nineties, it was said that young Shawn Michaels Sorry, reverse. Young Shawn Michaels isn't really all that respectful to The Rock or towards his family when Michaels started off in the business. So, therefore, and we all know about how Shawn Michaels used to be in the early 90s, you know, in the mid-90s, uh, you know, his, he was the champion, how he could, you know, act like a butthole or what have you. So, because of some antics Shawn Michaels showed in the early years, that's why when The Rock became The Rock, that's why he never really wanted to do any work with Shawn Michaels as far as the programming and wrestling. Because that, that's always a dream match that we were always like to see, the Rock and Shawn Michaels. Could have happened many a times, but it never did. Actually, so. that's one match I kind of don't want to see. Because oh, really? of their their wrestling. Now, when I was younger, of course not now. years ago, yes, I wanted to see it. Don't, 
believe me, like The Rock and Shawn Michaels, two of the, to the greatest on the platform, you know, a WrestleMania angle or whatever. But I remember one time I saw RVD and Shawn Michaels, and I used to think, like, oh, my God, this oh, is going to be. And <laughs> it was one of the most horrific matches I ever saw. Yes. Especially coming from them two guys, and that says a lot. And the reason why is because you got two guys who oversells. So both of their their move sets look outlandish because you got two wrestlers who, when they hit each other, they fly up in the air and spin, and you know, it just looked it it looked good on paper. But when it came to fruition, it was just like a big crash, and it kind of gave me the vision like, oh my god, this is the way it go. Imagine The Rock and, and Shawn Michaels, you know, because both of these guys are both flamboyant, and they both are known for their overselling. Right. You know, you Austin and The Rock has been legendary, and The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels have been legendary. But when you think about Austin and The Undertaker, these are formable opponents who are used to being bashing. And then you got these two characters, which is The Rock and Shawn Michaels, who used to selling so much, making their match and their opponent look much stronger. So you, got, it, I, I know, and folks, if you if you disagree with me, please feel free to hit me up on Facebook, hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to conversate with you oh, on it. But uh, real quick, MC Game, I catch y'all. I believe we have a caller. All right, you call four four three. Welcome to Under the Mat Radio with NFC Game Boy and Tech. And he dropped. Well, she dropped. If uh, call if you can, please give us a call back while we still have some time on the show. If you want to discuss what we're talking about or talk about something else. Yeah, and, and real game quick, game. one more time. Um, while I got this 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 chance to, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, get the plug on. Um, once again, tonight's episode has been sponsored by Bentley's Plumbing and Construction LLC, the owner Murray Shriek, and the co-owner Brian Weber. You can reach them at 443-983-3902. Once again, 443-983-3902. They do everything, in anything from small jobs to rebuilding homes and new construction. So you got a problem, feel free to hit them. Bentley's Plumbing and Construction LLC, 443-983-3902. Tell them the boy sent you. They'll take care of you. Um, woo. Uh, I, you good, brother? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I had to get it out. But I'm just imagining, like, The Rock and Sean, both of them together, trying to, you know, I, I don't think that it would be as legendary as we think it would. I, I think that they both had their place, you know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want them to 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 do it because I don't think it's going to look as good as as our imagination is making it out to be. Too late, this is my opinion. It's too late, ten years too late. <laughs> too late. <laughs> <laughs> ten years too late. Yeah, see the rock coming for the neck rolls and whatnot. You know, and Mr. Rock, every time The Rock comes back from Hollywood to wrestle a match, he gets hurt. Wonder yes. why. Wonder why. Well, I was wrestling. And when you, it was wrestling. Yeah, you when you were, you, were, you were acting in Hollywood and you're making The uh, Rock the second highest growth, second highest paid actor in Hollywood, only behind Robert Downey Jr. You're acting and you're on set. 
you got to remember, folks, when you're in the rain, that's something you do on a regular basis. But when you do that on a regular, it's well for your body to get back in that shape. You can train, you can lift weights, you can run. But once you get on that mat, everything changes. So, yeah, sometimes the rock changes, the rock injured. When a rock um, does again, it doesn't get injured. So, uh, but while we're at time, you know, I forget, next week on Honest Radio, we have a very great show for very special. We had UFC Ultimate Championship Heavyweight Champion, former three-time King's Hand Creek Champion, man is a 5-3-5th black belt, Ikeo Kujin, Karate, 6th black belt, Taekwondo. He is also my actor, Luito Axe in Hollywood. It's rooting in this on Under the Mat Radio. Legendary will be joining very to be on the show. Doesn't do any interviews, but we are going to have him. It's very exciting. This is on website, this is on train, um, train technique, this is on train merchandise. He's in, so a lot of things we are doing. Wait for a spawn to give it a chance. He's on information. Shimblade. Yeah, here now. Shimblade. Shin? Yeah, how are you doing? How was the interview? Yeah, it was great. Great, we let. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, we let. Yeah, I'm here. We let that, but a great, uh, great show coming up next week. Well, uh, Hall of Famer Bass Rooting from the UFC and King of Pancreas will be joining us. Okay. All right. Uh, and also, also I can state this. Uh, next, yes. Yeah, good. We can hear you. Oh. Good. Yes, good. Um, tomorrow's the. Tomorrow, I will be meeting with some uh, big corporate executives from one of the biggest wrestling companies in the United States. So, sweet, I'll be giving the news. It's going to be positive. Fans, we do apologize. Uh, Shimblade's signal was acting up. We'll definitely call back. But Shimblade was on the show that uh, we do have a very huge meeting with uh, a national, tele- uh, national television company and corporation. Shimblade will be going in representation of us under the match radio. So once we get more information on that, fans, we will let you know. So next we have Bass Rutten, UFC Hall of Famer, King of Pancreas, uh, Hollywood actor, TV star. We'll be joining us next week. Also, we will have a good old buddy returning, Larry the Legend, trademarked, correspondent for Ring of Honor for CZW. Um, he just did work in Madison Square Garden. Great ring announcer will be joining us again on Under the Mats Radio. Course the time, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio. Believe I should. And don't forget, that. we'll have highlights from um from Rage. From, yes, um, we will. This weekend from Pittsburgh. So. Yes. Definitely. Don't forget this Saturday. Yeah. Yes. Shane, we can hear you now. Um, You can go ahead and uh, finish up your announcement. We hear you better now. Okay. Sorry. Um, That building taps my uh, signal. Uh, um, coming tomorrow, under the fans, I will be meeting with one of the biggest uh, wrestling companies in the United States, let alone the world. Uh, I will give details. It's going to be positive. I'm going to give details next week on Under the Mat Radio about about the meeting and a few points of it. Hmm. Okay. 
And while we have Arthur Rivers on here, oh, don't uh, forget this set. I'm sorry, go ahead. Basically, uh, Pittsburgh, you can catch you can catch us there this Saturday. We'll be wearing the purple. We might get beat up. I don't think so. We just under the mat. We we do it big. We do it live, 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 and it is what it do. <laughs> Pay homage. That's what I'm Thank you. Yes, yes, it is. I've recorded. Shin uh, will be wearing the purple. Not sure what color I'm going to be wearing, but we'll be in Pittsburgh for free for wrestling. Bell time is at 7 p.m. Please be there. Any more information you need on Rage Pro Wrestling is Saturday. Hit us up on Facebook, Under the Mats Radio. Email us at underthematsradio at gmail.com. Send us tweets at text underscore UTMR. Tweet NSC Game Boy at NSC Game Boy correctly. NSC Game Boy. Yes. And, of course, and also, you can catch the station one on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Oh, thank you. All right. Really? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, hey, you I'm got fans everywhere. So. I'm sure. Yeah, go, go, uh, give you your, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, go, you gave your, uh, Twitter at information, Chen. Chen, P-I-O-N-A-L-O-N-E. And also, I want to thank the fans of Under the Mask being on the site this week for posting your thoughts about the new day with Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston's uh, new so-called this is gimmick. Yes. Thank you. Hey, real quick, we got we to gotta give a quick gaps to a good old buddy, the other Evan, Evan Ginsberg, who had us on his great show, Legends TV, in Long Island, New York. So I want to give big ups to him, Mad Healthy, Legends, um, Legends Radio and Legends TV. Thank you much for having us on the show. Big ups to Oscar from Men on a Mission and Mama's Radio. And real quick, uh, one of our new buddies, Jordan, Car- Jordan Carter, one of the good big wrestling pages, yeah. the Russell Nation, great wrestling page on the help us out, the help promote under the mats radio and PWP Radio. We just want to give thanks to them. It is about that time. This is your host, Tech, under the Mats Radio. And it's easy. Happy and Veterans Day to you guys out there. I sacrifice, man. Thank you for all these yeah. sacrifices and everything you've done. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for your veterans, active, or even that are vets currently active. Thank you much for your time and for your sacrifices. We love you much. We will talk to you next week. See you then. And the crowd says amen. Amen.